Hi, and welcome to Decoding AQ, helping you to learn the tools, mindsets, and actions to thrive in an ever-changing world. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Decoding AQ. I have a good friend of ours and business advisor, David Meltzer. Hey, Ross. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about the new intelligence, the AQ intelligence, the one that's going to be most beneficial to everyone moving forward, considering what we are going through uh, and have gone through the last decade and will go through the next decade. Yeah, it's uh, that instant connection, wasn't it, when we first met? Um, in fact, it was on one of your uh, online shows, The Elevator Pitch, um, which was an interesting experience from my perspective. I guess you see so many pitches and just for our listeners, a quick bit of background that I wanted to share and your mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. I mean, who can't smile at that, right? Absolutely. Well, it took years to come to the epiphany and the courage to articulate what's important to me. Mm -hmm. And that's creating a collective consciousness of happiness, of abundance, teaching people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. So it blends not only the pragmatic world or currency of money, but the spiritual world or currency of faith and both necess necessary, but also blend equally in importance to being happy. And I believe happiness is the key. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's probably why it blends so well to our adaptability, because our adaptability to either accept an environment um, to adapt to it, to adapt ourselves, or even to adapt the environment through our own deliberate endeavor, ultimately to thrive and to be happy uh, throughout our journeys of life. And for someone who's been a you know three-time bestseller, uh, had a journey uh, of many different identities as a person, I wonder if you could just share a little bit of some of those highlights from a sports background, um, you know, in terms of CEO for the company that people might know as the inspiration behind Jerry Maguire, and to somebody now who's really involved in so many humanitarian efforts, investment efforts, speaking, all of these pieces. Perhaps just share a couple of things that stick in your mind of where you had to evolve yourself. You had to adapt to shift perhaps your way of thinking or your mindset and your environment to thrive when something changed. And so perhaps give us an example of a few of those things. Well, I think it stems from a relationship to money, that currency of money, the object of energy that you put into flow to get what you want. So from a very young age, I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. So I had actually created an environment of options. And one of the unique positive aspects of thinking that money buys love and happiness and that money is your end goal is that your options are always open. Uh, and when you have uh, the framework or the perception that your options are always open, you're looking to adapt. You're always looking to adapt to something better. And that better means where can I make more money? So whereas my siblings all grew up under the guise of my mom, who was a single mom working two jobs, education was king, the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, doctor, lawyer, failure was ingrained into their being. I had my eye flaps wide open, where can I make more money? Including when I graduated law school and made the decision to work in the internet instead of being an oil and gas litigator, 
then going to, you know, after we exited for 3.4 billion, going to Silicon Valley to raise money in the wireless proxy service space, transcoding internet onto WAP phones, then becoming CEO of the world's first smartphone uh, with Samsung. And then uh, and that was all because of money, right? People are like, okay. how, how did you keep adapting? Well, because I just wanted to make, go to where was I was paid the most. Of that <laughs> I wanted to get paid the most. Yep. And, you know, that continued even into my sports career where I left Samsung to be, uh, you know, not only a venture capitalist, but meet Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agent in the world, the guy they made the movie Jerry Maguire about and became the CEO of the most notable sports agency. Then I even met Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback in the last 12 years, adapted into marketing, Mm -hmm. where in the context of the last four years, I adapted all of the skills, knowledge, and desire that I had into my own brand. Like you said, writing books, one of the top podcasts, speaking around the world, one of the top business coaches, movies, TV, all the different things that I do. But the difference is, as I transitioned that paradigm from keeping my options open because I wanted to make more money, instead now I utilize that in a different context to create more abundance, right? To create this Mm -hmm. idea of empowering more people to empower more people, although have one thing, an open mind. You know, in order to adapt, you need to have an open mind. And then, you know, you and I can talk about what we do have control of and how we adapt to things uh, pragmatically as well. But I think an open mind is the first key component of why I have continually, what other people call pivoted, I've just Mm -hmm. adapted what I was doing towards the objectives that I had. And is there a story where, you know, in in hindsight, the path often we can tell ourselves a narrative and story that is, you know, all positive, abundant, and we can have that frame. In the moment, many of us face when we're going through change, it's an uncertain feeling. You know, you can have anxiety, you can have stress, even when you, you might see yourself as successful in one area. When we're venturing to new career paths and new pieces, it takes courage to do that. And it also is a sense of loss. It's a loss of who you were before. So this emotional journey that we go on, it's so important to remain, as you said, not only open-minded, but also positive in those situations and challenges we face. How have you managed to maintain such a positive outlook? Because in every conversation we have, uh, David, it's always you know, this energy of positivity and smiling and your mindset of belief in abundance. Is that something you were born with? You framed it, you work on it. Tell me a little bit more about that. All of the above. So I think everyone has to look at their quantum potential you know, I was obviously born with a happy gene, a positive gene. Uh, but, you know, just like LeBron James was born with an extraordinary athletic gene uh, potential that I could never reach this lifetime. I was born with a higher and a greater potential to be happy and to be positive. But I think, you know, understanding how others can reach their potential uh, is very important. And how do we do that? Well, one, what you described is faith. All of those things aggregated together is the second currency, which is faith, an object of energy that you put into the flow. You see that faith is like a GPS of adaptability. What do I mean by that? When you put your destination into your GPS, you think you know where you're going. Now, a GPS, when you make a mistake, you miss a turn, you go the wrong way, whatever, 
the GPS recalculates it and gives you the best direction from there. Now, faith is a superpower GPS because not only will it recalculate your route, but it also will recalculate your destination to a better place, a better position. And all the mistakes, all the failures, the setbacks, the pain are just indicators like missing an exit, indicator that you're going the wrong way and that you need to learn a lesson, you need to learn the new route in order not only to get to where you think you wanna go, but to get to somewhere better. And so for me, faith encompasses the control that we have of three things. One, when we realize, although there's extraordinary change at all times and that we need to adapt to that change, it becomes less scary or frightening if we know we have control of our mindset. You see, we give meaning to everything we see. And when we practice having control of our mindset, understanding the triggers in our life that put us into ego-based consciousness, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, all of these different triggers that put us into a primal ego-based consciousness, a primal fear. Because remember, when fear hits, all the blood leaves our brain so that our body can fight, our body can flee, our body can feed itself, or the other F word that Gary Vee uses. (laughs) And unfortunately, so many people make crucial decisions in adaptation without any blood in their brain. So Mm -hmm. what we wanna do is make sure that we have control of our mindset, knowing that we give meaning to everything we see so that when we lose these blood in our brain from triggers that we stop, we get back to center or neutral and we can utilize our higher power of thinking We can put the blood back into our brain and live to the potential that we have. Number two, we have control of the way we feel, our heart set. So many people think they're not in control of the way they feel. And that's because they try to use logic to change the way they feel. Logic will never change emotion. Logic will never change the way you feel. You can sit there all day long and tell yourself, don't worry, don't worry, you'll do fine. And you're not going to change the way you feel. But if you take action, that will change the way you feel. Actions, how we change the way and we have control of our actions. Therefore, we have control of the way we feel. And the best way to change the way you feel if it's not good is to go do something for someone else, do a good deed, help somebody else. Guaranteed, higher frequency changes the way we feel. Then finally, we have control of what I call the conscious continuum. But really, we have control of what we think, say, do, believe, and even our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, if we raise the awareness to those. So those are the three things combined with faith that allow us to have the Dave Meltzer perspective, genre, energy, uh, and uh, charisma of being happy all the time. Or let's just say, I only spend minutes and moments in ego-based consciousness during happiness, not days, weeks, months, and years. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's a habit that you know, you are now consciously in practice of to, um, for us, when we talk about adaptability and the influence of our environment. So who are we spending time with? What is our environment like? How are we feeding the data intake for our mind, you know, and evolving that mindset and being very deliberate about that. And I think it's an interesting balance about, are we creating a, a reality that's delusional or is it a dream? Are we taking actions towards that future version of ourselves is so critical in it. In terms of where many companies and leaders right now are facing um, so much 
abundant opportunity and innovation at the same time as so much disruption, uncertainty and loss. And that, as you said, is it minutes, moments to spend in ego? Maybe the same could be thought about for many leaders or companies that are in this situation of, yes, there is loss, there is disruption, but maybe only spend minutes and moments in it, not days and months in it. I love that analogy, David. I think that's very helpful for people to think in that way. Yeah, I think too many people think about what's missing, what they don't want, what other people want for them. And of course, in times of accelerated change or disruption, a lot of people fall into that trap. And what happens is if you focus in on what's missing, what's disrupted, what you don't want, or what other people want for you, that's what you end up with. And so I think it's important to have daily practices. I have a know your what, know your who, know your how, know your now, and know your why in order to effectuate daily practices to look for what, to take inventory of the skills I have, the knowledge of who and what, and the desire that I have each day, not being afraid of changing my mind. Part of adaptability mm -hmm. is not knowing what I don't know and being and acknowledging that I don't know what I don't know in order to adapt. I have to be humble to say, I didn't know what I didn't know yesterday. Uh, I have no ego involved and I now I'm doing the best according to the values that I have and taking inventory of that capabilities and aligning it every day with what's doing well. Yeah. Aligning it what's, with what's stable and aligning it with what you think is going to do well tomorrow. And if you do those three things, using the five daily practices aligned with your own values, you'll find that adaptability is really just a focused course of action aligned with what is changing around you state. By, yeah. by focusing on what you're in control of. And that ability to let go is a learnable skill. Great. You know, is because it's easy to let go of something when it's not working. It's harder to let go when it's giving you a gentle applause. And it's those subtleties that, you know, is maybe the reflection. It's maybe uh, objective opinion to be open-minded to reevaluate continually when things change so quickly. We didn't have to reevaluate re so quickly in a linear world because yesterday is similar to today and similar to tomorrow, whereas now that isn't the case. So this um, opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves um, is not only you know, the reality, it's something we have to come to terms with, I think, as a species living right now. Yeah, I think absolutely that it's so important to uh, be and illuminate who we are yeah. um, in those circumstances. And I think a lot of people have a difficult time uh, with their limitlessness and infinity, uh, knowing that there's multivariables involved in everything and that the best we can do is know and look within ourselves to find what we want outside of ourselves. Yeah. And I loved your talk, thought there about how we degrade our problem solving and our cognitive abilities, of, i.e. the blood goes from the brain when we're in certain states. And I think adaptability for leaders and for companies that are developing their new lines, their new propositions, their new things is to feed the mind state to be conscious of the blood in the right areas. So if they're making decisions under that pressure, under that disruption, it's going to be impaired. So how can they create these environments of safety of that higher consciousness to unlock the flow of 
better problem solving. And it's the things that you talked about of positivity, of open-mindedness on a team scale uh, to, to give those things. And I'd like to just very quickly, as we finish up, the balance between sports and work. And lots of people have written about these various things and it's something you've uh, evolved into your career of your language of, you know, uh, playbooks and all of these sort of things. What advantages around how sports teams adapt in the moment from quarter to quarter, from half to half of reevaluating what's going and setting a new plan and position in the moments, could we apply now within business that might be some tips or pieces that we could take away with maybe? I think number one is the blending of persistence and patience. Uh, I think it's the most notable of all things that aren't talked about. You know, everyone talks about teamwork and leadership and communication. Duh. Like, honestly, in sports, it's just so obvious. And I think it's trite and people tell you, but what I think is so fascinating, one of the superpowers that I learned is the persistence and patience blend that, you know, you, 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 you know, think about being in the Olympics, four years of persistent behavior that you have to patiently wait to see the results that if you're, you know, a speed skater, skater like Apollo Ono, that you may win or lose a gold medal by 0.0001%. You know, talk about a blend. Uh, I think there's also um, another aspect of the desire that you must be what you can be. Uh, You know, there, Potential is one thing, but if LeBron James or Michael Jordan uh, did not have the desire to be what they must be, they wouldn't be as good if even make it to the NBA. Uh, And I find that that ability, uh, when you can apply it to your own quantum potential, that is even higher. So if a Dave Meltzer learns to be what he must be on a football field, you know, at 5'7", 147 pounds, it's only going to go so far, right? It made me an average division three football player in college, which considering my potential was quite an accomplishment. But when I applied it to other areas that I had greater quantum ability uh, to communicate, to inspire, motivate, to process, to skip all these different things that I was born with a higher potential, that lesson of being what you must be combined with the blend of patience and persistence really are two things within sports that will take you to the next level in anything you do personally or professionally. And a last piece of a tip for people that are looking to create something big, that have a big ambition, a big mission to reach their quantum potential. Um, How can they, um, you know, to reach that requires collaborations requires a number of things. So that perseverance, yes, that's an innate uh, individual pursuit of something, an expansion of something, but it takes many around them for that to reach the crescendo. You know, even a sports person that is a speed skater, there's a whole army behind that. So they inspire others. They tell others the story and bring them along with them. What um, have you seen in the countless pitches, the countless conversations you've had of someone communicating their potential that inspires others? What are the things that really resonate with you when you see somebody can, you know, express that or communicate that? When we shared, it's all about adaptability. We want to transform the health and well-being of 100 million people this decade. 
um, you know, and feel that energy. How do people communicate well that you've seen to help people support the realization of the best self? Yeah, well, number one, you want to empower over 100 million. Don't limit yourself to 100 million. It's over 100 million. I love that. Yeah. There's five, five, five things, I, I think. Number one, people discount credibility. So you talk about behind Apollo Ono or behind Michael Jordan or behind uh, LeBron James. Yes, but they're credible, right? They've earned the credibility. And so credibility, number one. Two, the emotional attachment. You know, there's some people that may not perform or have a highest potential as other people, but there's an emotional attachment. We, Steph Curry is a good example. Uh, Steph Curry, people identify and emotionally attached with more because they look at him and say, wow, I could be Steph Curry. When you look at LeBron James, you know, six foot nine, runs a four, four, you know, you, you don't see, little kids don't say, well, I can never be LeBron James, but I can be Steph Curry. I have an emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. I'm like Steph Curry. Uh, and so I think emotional attachment. Three is being able to articulate the quantitative reasons why uh, people should do things, follow me, uh, be motivated, empowered, et cetera. The other one is impact. You know, when you have a greater impact or you see the impact of changing the environment or, you know, making people happy or health and wellness and mindset. And then finally, utilizing features and benefits capabilities to support those four. We use the features and benefits not to dump on people to oversell them, back end sell them, lie to them, manipulate and cheat them, but to support to our credibility, mm -hmm. emotional attachment, quantitative reasons and impacts. Thanks, David. As such insight and you know a gratitude to your giving and sharing nature um is gratefully received i want to thank you for that i know we're at the final uh, time that we'd set for this but I, I did want to ask you was there one thing that you wanted to be asked for this interview that i haven't asked you that you wish i had that you wanted to share you know, i always like people to ask you know What's your best lesson, your best piece of advice? I believe that so many people listen to interviews, speeches, courses, and never get one takeaway. So I always yeah. like people to ask me, what's the number one takeaway? And it's really simple for me. Uh, it's why I do trainings every Friday for free, why I get my books for free, why anybody can email me directly at david at dmelter.com. I'll give you my book. I'll ship it. I don't care. But here it is. Take this away. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds that easy change your life i love it thanks david thank you my Look friend we'll have you connection. on the playbook we'll, we'll, we'll book that we got to have you as a guest on my show incredible show thank you so much everyone reach out to me david at dmelter.com take care ross thank you bye-bye bye-bye do you have the level of adaptability to survive and thrive the rapid changes ahead has your resilience got more comeback than a yo-yo do you have the ability to unlearn in order to reskill, upskill, and break through? Find out today and uncover your adaptability profile and score, your AQ. Visit aqai.io to gain your personalized report across 15 scientifically validated dimensions of adaptability. For a limited time, enter code PODCAST65 for a complimentary AQME assessment. AQAI, transforming the way people 
teams and organisations navigate change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decoding AQ. Please make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast directory and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please do leave a review and be sure to tune in next time for more insights from our amazing guests.